Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. President Trump, well, he announced today, Friday the 20th of March, that he had put the Wartime Defense Production Act into action. This to fight the coronavirus pandemic. Interestingly enough, a couple days ago, Wednesday, he stated that he had taken the measure of employing those powers, the war powers, but that he had no immediate plans to use them. Even though he had invoked them, he had no immediate plans. That was on Wednesday. Then Wednesday evening, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, whenever it was, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi implored the president to please... Use those powers. Act. And now, today, the president announced that he actually put this into action last night. But he made this statement today. (laughs) I mean, what's it all about, really? Additionally, it was stated today, today, that even though he went on to say that he now had put the Defense Production Act into action, that he still had not required, taken the step of officially requiring companies to make products, to go into production of products under that act, products that are of need, are viewed as being of need, to treat patients who are infected with the coronavirus, COVID-19. This is masks, respirators, ventilators, respirators and ventilators for patients, masks also for healthcare workers and what have you. But, curious, do you really imagine (laughs) that when the president invoked the act on Wednesday and soft-pedaled it, saying that he had no immediate plans to use it, that he really meant that? You know, there are problems with lying. (laughs) Generally speaking... The majority of the time, lying involves immorality in one form or another. And those who do it habitually are typically the most successful at it, the most gifted at it, the most natural at it, (laughs) 
they certainly get the most practice at it. President Trump is by no means the first president that we have had who is a habitual liar. No, no, no. It goes back a long way. But the most extremely prolific liars have been Bill Clinton, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Barack Hussein Obama, lying under all circumstances, so habitual that they lie when it actually would be better not to lie. And the problem with lying, even for these people, is that they can get caught in their lies. I mean, even when you have a man as bold a liar as our president, the incumbent, even when you have one as bold as him, <laughs> and you know the, the old saw about <laughs> the bigger the lie, the more people will believe it, which is very counterintuitive. But nonetheless, <laughs> there is that saw, and many people ascribe to it, certainly this president. But he can't keep track of them all. <laughs> I mean, there are so many out there. But to this idea that instead of just honestly stating, squaring with the American people that I am invoking this act because it is needed, I need to be able to pressure various businesses into moving production into lines that heretofore have not been seen as being profitable to American businesses, but which we need. No, instead of that, no, I have no immediate plans. <laughs> a day and a half later or less. That was on Wednesday, so a day and a half later, Thursday evening, Thursday night, or less than a day and a half later depending on when this was stated on Wednesday, the president does an about-face again <laughs> and puts it into action and then announces it today. How is that useful to lie like that? How is that useful? Oh, well. But, again, now <laughs> we're getting these mixed messages, surprise, that on the one hand, yes, he's put it into action, but putting it into action, he has yet to require companies to make these products. I'm not saying that that should be done. I'm just saying the dishonesty of this is just, oh, extraordinary. But should be extraordinary. For this president, it has been ordinary as was the case with Barack Hussein Obama and Bill and Hill and so forth. But meanwhile, Senator Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, has not been one of my favorite politicians, as if I have favorites, you know, but 
<laughs> there are some that I prefer over the majority of them out there. He has not been a favorite of mine. I've always been concerned about the matter of his wife, Elaine Chow, who has held a couple important cabinet positions over the years. And the reason that it gives me pause about Elaine, even though she had excellent credentials with the Heritage Foundation and so forth, I've always been concerned because of her family heritage, her family tree, her father's connections to the communist Chinese regime. That has bothered me. That has given me pause. (laughs) I just have not been comfortable with that, strangely enough, given all of the communist Chinese spying in this nation and everything, (laughs) to have... Uh, the wife of the Senate minority leader at times, majority leader here, U.S. Senator, powerful U.S. Senator, and then having her in these powerful cabinet posts, it has not been comfortable (laughs) to me. It hasn't fit right. It hasn't felt right. But Mitch McConnell, in my view, is the single most effective, efficient political leader in Washington, D.C. He has played such an important role in enabling this president and his administration to actually do some really important things. It has weighed heavily on Mitch McConnell to get the work done, to get it passed through the Senate, as well as, of course, stopping the impeachment process, preventing the convictions and so forth. But he has been nothing short of masterful in the Senate, not by hook and crook, no, but he has truly been an outstanding political leader, and (laughs) I've been extremely impressed. And the most recent thing right now, this is just after 8 p.m. Eastern time here when I am recording this program. Senate Majority Leader McConnell, he set a deadline of midnight Eastern time tonight for the negotiators of both parties to reach agreements on this massive economic stimulus package, which will now be more than $1 trillion. It was initially, I mean, there have been different packages. Remember the one from the House of Representatives that was at $8 billion or something? And then there were You know, there was talk about additional packages, but that was that package. It was House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate and minority leader Chuck Schumer wanted it to be eight and a half billion. And the package officially was seven point eight billion, but with an additional 
half billion to <laughs> to refill the restock uh, the funding there. So it was really truly 8.3 billion. Well, this is a bit more. <laughs> and this was being talked about earlier this week as being 800 billion and then 850 billion. And now it is above one trillion, maybe one and a quarter trillion. But this economic stimulus plan includes the little matter of checks, payments to taxpayers, to families. Now, different amounts have been floated for that, right? The initial amount that was talked about was up to $1,000 per adult, up to meaning it could be down around 600 but up to 1000 one check and then it was talked about two checks per adult and in the vicinity of 1000 well this particular plan calls for taxpayers such as yourself and myself to receive up to $1200 one payment with married couples eligible to receive double that, $2,400, and an additional $500 for every child in their household. And then these amounts would be reduced for people, individuals making $75,000 or more per year, couples making double that. $150,000 or more. And with those making individuals $99,000 and more, couples $198,000 and more, receiving nothing. But perhaps (laughs) this will go through. All right. Mitch McConnell has put the hammer down. He has put the gavel down and he has made an absolute deadline. Ultimatum, deadline, midnight tonight, Eastern Time. And this program should be available before that, (laughs) depending. But we will see. But in any case, Mitch truly has been masterful in his exercise of influence, persuasion, power as the majority leader of the U.S. Senate. He has enabled the Trump administration to be effective in accomplishing many good things, very, very pronouncedly with regard to confirmations of judgeships, certainly including the United States Supreme Court, but United States federal judges and what have you extremely, extremely important, critically important. His contribution has been nothing short of enormous. And, but speaking of these amounts of money, again, it had been floated that there would be two payments of $1,000, so $2,000 per individual. It began with Mitt Romney recommending this, a payment of $1,000 per adult. The next day, it had been incorporated by 
hey, there are other terms that would perhaps be better, but you it was brought into the package for the administration and with the agreement of both parties. And yet there have been difficulties reaching final agreement. And that pertains to what the amount of the payments should be and who should qualify for them. At the most extreme fringe on the left is none other than presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders has stated that every individual, like yourself and myself, every adult citizen in this nation, I don't think he will limit it to citizens, but nonetheless, every adult, I will say citizen, in this nation should receive $2,000 every month from the government. And that's not going to happen, right? I I could use that, but, you know, (laughs) I could use much greater amounts than that. You know, by all means, send me your winning lottery tickets for the Powerball, you know, for $550 million. I'll take it. But (laughs) but $2,000 a month, that's what Bernie suggested. But this stimulus plan is not about that. No. To put it mildly, it falls far, 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 far short of that. Meanwhile, the coronavirus infection epidemic, pandemic across this nation, certainly worldwide pandemic, and throughout this nation, Call it epidemic or pandemic. Again, pandemic is a term that has been used for the spread of infectious disease over as relatively small an area as part of a continent, namely the southern portion of Africa. So for spread across the continental United States of America, as well as in Hawaii and Alaska, so forth, but even just the continental United States of America, that would, at least there would be historical precedent for calling that limited amount a pandemic. And thus, what took place in China and continues to take place, even though their infections are way down. Namely, on Thursday, they announced they had no new infections. Meanwhile, in the United States of America, Slightly different story. The total number of cases here in the United States of America has exceeded 14,000. Death toll reached 200 people. And meanwhile, New York State, Connecticut, shut down. They have done the lockdown in those states, you know, so-called. And Illinois is supposed to be following, and I'm sure many, many other states will be too, as far as only those people that need to be going to work that have to do with particular functions that must be performed, only they 
are to be going to work. Everybody else is to be staying home. Speaking of these other states, Washington State, which has now become number two in number of total cases in the United States of America, but still way ahead in total deaths, fatalities. There has been discussion behind closed doors concerning the treatment of patients. And medical leaders there, medical professionals, leaders in their fields, have been discussing a so-called triage strategy by which they would decide which patients would receive the full battery of medical care to fight the infection and which other patients would receive what amounts to hospice care. That for if and or when the health system is overrun by demand, by infection from this coronavirus COVID-19 outbreak. One woman stated the following. Now, she happens to be a top executive with Washington State Hospital Association. She said, quote, it is chilling and it should not happen in America, end quote. Quite true. But you see, in places with socialized medicine, Senator Sanders, in places like Canada and the U.K. and European Union, and Scandinavia, this is not something new. This rationing of health care is not something new. This is the way they operate. This is standard operating procedure. But as she points out, it should not happen in America. But were Senator Sanders to become president, it doesn't look like, despite Despite Chris Matthews cheerleading, it does not look like there's any chance of that happening this go-around. But who knows? Things can turn quickly, can't they? But if he were president, and if he were able to push through completely socialized health care, this would become standard operating procedure for all conditions, not just pandemic, not just widespread epidemic of infectious virus, but for all manner of conditions. Indeed, it has been true. I've pointed out time and again, unrighteous, ungodly, immoral, Evil judges have sentenced people, frequently young women, young adult women, 
to death by starvation and dehydration for failing to fully recover, to be fully restored after suffering traumatic harm in the form of attempted murder and things like that. Terrible vehicular collisions, accidents being run down, that sort of thing. And then their loved ones or a loved one, such as a husband who has attempted to murder the poor young woman, manages to get a wicked judge to declare the young woman brain dead, vegetated, even though she is not, not comatose, and has them starved to death, dehydrated to death, with state troopers or other law enforcement officers outside of the room making sure no one can break through and try to give hydration or nourishment to them. This has happened for decades in this wonderful, free nation. But, again, it would become much, much much more commonplace, pervasively so, with socialized medicine. Before I continue, let me say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in these programs is thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's lacking, erring, deficient, That is on me. That is due to me. That is my fault. President Trump, he has announced that the border between the United States of America and Mexico will be closed. But it's a partial closure. He stated the following, quote, As we did with Canada, we're also working with Mexico to implement new rules at our ports of entry to suspend non-essential travel, end quote. So non-essential travel between Mexico or Mexico or whatever pronunciation you prefer and the United States of America That will be prevented, as is the case between United States of America and Canada. This should have done, this should have been done, pardon me, well before now. As I was referring to in some previous programs, this matter of the remain in Mexico policy, that is the the common colloquial name for it. It should have been instituted early on. We shouldn't have waited this terribly long, Mr. President. You've dropped the ball again, as you do over and over and over and over again. But, quote, these new rules and procedures will not impede lawful trade and commerce, end quote. Yes, and probably won't impede smuggling either, but 
quote, we're looking at both our northern and our southern border. This from Secretary Chad Wolf, Security Secretary, Acting Homeland Security Secretary. Quote, eliminating non-essential travel across that border. We're looking at that. We want to make sure that cargo continues, trade continues, healthcare workers continue to be able to traverse that border, meaning those borders. But tourism, some recreational activities, and other things need to stop during this crisis. Meanwhile, even though the president stated, again, just to, to restate his quote, not to reword it, just to re-say it, as we did with Canada. But wait a minute. This was from today. As we did with Canada, past tense. As we did with Canada. Well, lo and behold, The United States of America and Canada made an announcement on Wednesday that they had agreed to close the five and a half thousand mile border between them. The world's longest land boundary to non-essential traffic in this unprecedented Attempt to stop the spread of the novel coronavirus. The 5,500 mile land boundary. What about the Great Lakes? You know, are we counting the Great Lakes there? Are you only counting up to the Great Lakes and then from the other side of the Great Lakes and the St. Louis Seaway? I, I can't help but think. They're talking about the total span being five and a half thousand miles, but I can't imagine how it could be that much otherwise. But again, the statement the president made today, as we did with Canada, and then the statement was originally rendered on Wednesday that Canada and U.S. had agreed. But yesterday, Thursday, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Justin Untrudeau, he stated that the Canada-U.S. border will like close likely it had not been closed but it would likely close to non-essential travel on Friday night tonight Trudeau he stated that the United States of America and Canada quote are continuing to work on the fine-tuning of the agreement between Canada and the United States. 
end quote. <laughs> so the <laughs> this agreement was reached between Canada and the United States of America, but it wasn't. It was reached, but it wasn't reached. If it were truly reached, it would be instituted. So it was reached in theory, you know? This is like contracts in professional sports. Oh, yes, so-and-so, they've contracted now to play for this team for the next 10 years and to receive so many tens of millions every year and what have you. Two years later, they're upset. Somebody else is making more. They demand to renegotiate their contract. They sit out games. They hold out from camp. Contracts don't mean diddly squat. But here, here's a contractual agreement between two neighboring nations, free nations, and extremely important trade partners. They reach this agreement on Wednesday, and on Thursday, they are fine-tuning and tweaking it. And they might institute it tonight. It's just, it is just, oh my. Such outstanding leadership, President Trump and Prime Minister Trudeau. But Mike Pompeo, the big guy, Secretary of State, he has stated that shockingly, the Islamist regime of Iran, Islamist terrorist regime of Iran, not his words, mine, the fascist totalitarian regime of Russia, not his words, mine, and the communist regime of mainland China, not counting their, (laughs) what they claim offshore. Again, not his words, but mine. But he has stated that they are spreading disinformation. Quote, it's pretty diffused, unfortunately, but we've certainly seen it come from places like China, and Russia, and Iran, where there are coordinated efforts to disparage what America is doing and our activity to do all the things President Trump has set in motion here, end quote. Indeed. Shocking. You mean to tell me that fascist totalitarian Regime of Russia under the dictator for life, Vladimir Putin. And they're very, very, very close allies. Communist China under Xi Jinping. And the Islamist terrorist regime of Iran, which again is very closely tied to Vladimir Putin's regime that they are spreading disinformation against the United States of America. Shocking. Shocking. 
Mike, big guy Pompeo, he pontificated further. Finally, I want to talk about the disinformation that people are seeing on Twitter around the world. Some of it coming from governments and regimes, some of it coming from other individuals. Well, Mikey, the problem really, if you don't mind my saying so, and you will, of course, greatly take exception to this, the problem with this, other than the foolish people believing what they read on Twitter, is that the President of the United States, whom you serve at the pleasure of, his preferred means of communication is Twitter, is tweeting away on Twitter. Now, you might think that it is unfair of me to say this, but he has legitimized Twitter. What are you talking about? That's a legitimate form of communication. Yes, it's a legitimate, meaning lawful, form of dumbed down, stupefied, buzzword communication. It's perfect for the unwashing masses. The more ignorant they are, the more illiterate they are, the better it is for them. Instead of lifting them up, Let's pander to them. Let's demagogue to death. Let's tweet and tweet and tweet and tweet. It has been the most profoundly, profanely stupid development that has ever come down the pike for a president to engage in this. And it has been his communication form of preference going back to when he began campaigning for president. But you know what? I don't blame him. Because when he speaks, he comes across as effeminate. I hate it. I do not watch that man speak. Apart from his lies, he comes across as effeminate, effete, elitist, and yes, dishonest, and a few other things. But despite his mass, despite his size... Now, he doesn't think so. He's terribly, vainly proud of himself. But nonetheless, I do not know how it is possible for the fans of the president not to see that. But, meanwhile, speaking of disinformation, I previously spoke concerning Russia, Vladimir Putin's totalitarian stranglehold regime on Russia, the Russian Federation, his regime of using disinformation tactics. The European Union, they got hold of this document that stated that Putin's regime was promoting fake news, something that the president is very fond of speaking concerning. Fake news online in English, Spanish, Italian, German, and French. 
online. Would that include Twitter, perhaps? (laughs) And using contradictory, confusing, malicious reports to interfere with the ability of the European Union to effectively communicate its instructions, its response to this coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic. Quote, a significant disinformation campaign by Russian state media and pro-Kremlin outlets regarding COVID-19 is ongoing. The overarching aim of Kremlin disinformation is to aggravate the public health crisis in Western countries in line with the Kremlin's broader strategy of attempting to subvert European societies, end quote. If it's coming from the Kremlin, it's coming at the direction of Vladimir Putin, who as president took over all of television in Russia. And anyone other than the government that owns television properties is in his hip pocket. But in addition to Russia doing this, communist China is. Communist North Korea, that regime, undoubtedly is. The Islamist regime of Iran is. Just like the infiltration of the Department of Health and Human Services computer system designed to do exactly the same thing. So doing it in Europe, UK, USA, you name it. Meanwhile, you probably heard about the earthquake in Utah that took place a couple days ago. 5.7 magnitude earthquake. It struck just outside of Salt Lake City. And it debilitated Utah's coronavirus hotline. This was the largest earthquake to hit Utah since 1992. Almost 30 years, almost three decades. Well, just goes to show other things can get involved here and play a role. Who's to say this is the last earthquake during this epidemic, pandemic? Epidemic in various different locales, but pandemic across the main, if you will. Only 5.7. Now, the big one that is expected, that is long overdue in Southern California, in Northern California, it is expected to be in the vicinity of 8.2. But the mega, 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 mega anticipated earthquakes for Seattle, 
the Puget Sound area, Vancouver and Victoria, British Columbia. From Alaska all the way down, expected to be 9.0 or higher. And to take out everything from Interstate 5 west. And that means all of Seattle. All of Tacoma. If people think they have problems now, they really haven't seen anything yet compared to what could happen. And if there's that kind of violent chain of earthquakes, do you imagine it's not going to set off Mount Rainier? Mount Hood? outside of Portland, so near Portland, Oregon, and all of the other comparatively inactive volcanoes up and down the Pacific coast of the United States of America, on up through Canada, on up through Alaska. Can you imagine, can you begin to imagine how that would multiply the devastation? And then factor in tsunamis, which they anticipate to be overwhelming. Sky's the limit, so to speak. If these earthquakes and these volcanic eruptions take place in the very, very, very near future, you can expect the same to occur all the way down to the tip of South America, all the way down to the toes, all the way down to the tip of South America, and all around the ring of fire across the Bering Straits to the Koreas and totalitarian Russia Communist China, Japan, all the way down to the tip, the southernmost tip of New Zealand. Now, we can imagine, you know, that will never happen. Curiously enough, I've seen poetic license being taken to refer to the spread of the coronavirus or coronavirus, however you want to pronounce it, COVID-19, I've seen poetic license employed to describe the spread of this, the pandemic spread throughout Asia and over to United States of America, Canada, so forth, as being likened to the ring of fire that actually refers to the volcanic eruption zone would be a terrible irony if it were found to be true for both, you know, combining them, the combined force. Other little things going on, hardly worth mentioning. In Florida, Thugs, vicious thugs, pretending 
to be, passing themselves off as being employees of the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They're going around neighborhoods, knocking on doors, wearing white lab coats. They're telling residents in Broward County, Miami, that they are testing for COVID-19. And when the ignorant people, ignorant of this, that doesn't mean they're stupid. But when the people who are ignorant of the fact that the CDC is not testing anyone and that this is extremely suspicious behavior, even if CDC was testing people, when they let them in, they rob them. (laughs) They attack them and rob them. Good citizens like this, behaving this way. Shocking, right? After all, the president told us in his State of the Union address that, you know, we're all in this together and we all love one another. We're all united. Joe Biden has said he's going to unite this nation, unite the people of this nation. Hey, try to get these people on board, won't you? These gangsters, these thugs, these destroyers, lots of luck with that. But meanwhile, spring break, partying hardy down in Florida. This one kid, and I mean, there were so many, but he said, if I get Corona, I get Corona. At the end of the day, I'm not going to let it stop me. Okay. Now, (laughs) I can't help but think that this boy on his spring break, This young man, I can't help but think that he's one of those that parties hardy all year long at school. Every weekend is keg weekend, not to mention his other behaviors. I can't help but think that. I've been at enough schools. I left one school to go to another one because the aforementioned school was a party school. Then I wound up at the other one and found it was a party school. And I moved to another and found the same thing. So can't help but think that, no, this isn't a boy that has had his nose to the grindstone and he's letting off some steam. I'm thinking he parties all the time. It is reminiscent, too, of a story I saw very recently in which a woman who was arrested by police, she told them, and this is a paraphrase, I have corona and now so do you. She breathed on every police officer, law enforcement officer at the station house that she could. But they found out that her boyfriend or whatever he was, was not infected and her claims were false. It's like those who get AIDS and try to infect everybody with it. Good citizens. We're all in this together. Meanwhile, the president, before he took office, you know, they had the transition, and he and his transition team were advised of possibility of something like this pandemic occurring. Furthermore, after 
they took office. There was this scenario codenamed Crimson Cotagen. It was simulated by President Trump's administration's Department of Health and Human Services. From January through August of last year, Well, do you remember what the president said, which I quoted a few days ago, and I can't find the quote, but again, he said at that time that just a month ago, nobody envisioned anything like this. (laughs) Paraphrase. And I said, that is a lie, a bald-faced lie. You know, this was envisioned, I spoke about it, you know, two and a half months ago, whatever, but... Here, his administration was engaging in this wargaming, if you will, last year, January through August. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Thank you. Thank you.